chapter 12 is our text this morning. And I'm going to read the first few verses. Did I forget anything? I feel like I'm forgetting something. Anybody? Nope. I'm all good? Okay. Genesis chapter 12. Verse 1. I'm going, let me read it and then I'll tell you what we're talking about. Uh, the Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to a land which I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make you, your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old as he set out for Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, and all the possessions that he had accumulated, and the people that he had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan and arrived there. Abraham traveled through the land, through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah of Sishem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. Then the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar for the Lord who had appeared to him. When there, from there he went towards the hills of uh, Bethel and pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. There he built an altar for the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abraham set out and continued towards Negev. Lord, we thank you for the reading of your word. We thank you, you said, that the entrance of your word brings life. And today we open our hearts for that life to, to, to penetrate us. And so that we can be fully mature in you, God. And accomplish all that you have set out for us to accomplish in our lives. Let your word not return void, we pray. But let it accomplish in each one of our lives the purpose for which you send it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. The message this morning, I'm going to title it, The Pathway to a Blessed Life. I read that passage because it's the introductory of when we see really the, the life of Abraham. Let me tell you why I'm going to Abraham. No one, if you have to think about blessing, as are how many in the house would like to live a blessed life? <laughs> Let me ask it another way. Who wouldn't want to live a blessed life? Because we want to pray for you before we get started. <laughs> and you know, and we all want blessing in our lives. Is, 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 is that right? We all do. I want a blessed life. Is that my mic? Yeah. All right, there we go. I didn't. Ha maybe the way I'm handling it is the problem, but <laughs> I just realized that it's like <laughs> revelation, revelation. But uh, Abraham is one. If you're talking blessing, he is the father of blessing. I mean, no one was more blessed if you call me beside Jesus than Abraham. Because it all starts with him. To this day, Abraham remains 
an important part of both Christianity, Judaism, and even Islam. Everybody claims that we are children of Abraham. For, for the Jews, they believe, you know, through Abraham, they believe that that's why they're, they're, they're the, the chosen ones. Because of the promise that God made to Abraham. For us, in, as Christians, Abraham is repeated in the New Testament, and he's like a prototype for all believers. He says, this is a guy of the Old Testament, but we are told that we are blessed with the blessings of Abraham because we are in Christ. And what's interesting to me is that looking at his life, if you want to shape your life towards blessing, learn a little bit about Abraham. Because he's the first man that God made a covenant of blessing to. Let me read a couple of verses and just tell you that um, I'm trying to kind of look at it from our day-to-day -day life here and even and see. I'm like, I want that. I want that. God says, I will make you, great, uh, I will make you into a great nation. He's talking about his legacy. Um, um, and, uh, and, and he's saying, I will bless you. This speaks of our overall. When we're talking blessing, we're talking about overall well-being. When, when I said how many want to live a blessed life, I don't know how, what you define, how you define that in your own life. Oh, man, Lord, I need more money in my bank account than I have now. Is that what you call that? Or I want to feel better than I'm feeling now. Or I want to do better in my... You know, so we can define that many different ways. But a blessed life means it's all around wellness in your life. I mean, every element of your life, there is something beautiful, and there is something of God, and there is some, it's contentment that comes with it, okay? And, and God says, I'm, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you, Abraham. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have you have a good legacy. You, you will have just overall wellness in life. I'm going to even take care of how what people think about you. I'm going to take a, because I'm going to make your name great. You won't be one of those people that think, oh boy, I met him once. I have no desire to meet him again. He says, no, no, no. I'll take care of even your reputation. I'm going to make you a generous person. I, I'm going to bless you, and, and you're, going to, you're not going to hold up the blessing to yourself, but because of the blessings that you have out of you, blessing will flow. And other people, not just other people, it says, Everyone, every family, all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. Man, this is some big stuff. You can read it really quickly. I was like, man, God, God, God. I was like, well, why aren't you saying that about me, God? But the truth is, God is saying that about each one of you. If you're in Christ, it says that we are partakers of the blessings of Abraham that God put. And... <laughs> And when you look at a life like that, Abraham was being told these things. He's told about his legacy. God's saying, man, this land right here that you are on, I'm going to give it to your descendants. Guess what? There was a problem. Abraham was 75 years old, been trying to have a kid since he got married, and there were no kids in his house. He had a very quiet house. The opposite of my house. But you see, God sees into the future of each one of our lives. He's not limited to the present. 
You might be in a situation in your life right now where you cannot see the future. You think you've hit on dead, uh, dead wall and this is what's going to define me. But God looks at you and says, no. You haven't even started yet. You think it's over. God says, no, you haven't even started. Because no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and neither has it entered into the hearts of men the plans that God has prepared for those that love him. Can you imagine? When God says, hey, Abraham, look at this. Look at this land. I promise you, I'll give this to your descendants. And he's sitting down and thinking, okay, God, I know you are the almighty God, the creator of heaven and earth. That's really, really something. But did you forget? I'm supposed to be a grandpa right now. And the good old days are gone. What you talking about? What you talking about? I don't think he said that, but I wonder if he thought that. God, you said in your word that you will bless me to be a blessing, that I will be the, le the lender and not the borrower, the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Have you seen my credit report? You say I'm going to lend? Do you know how old I am? I'm just starting to speak faith into some people right now. That you probably, give, maybe some people that have given up on even dreaming Given up on even the possibility. They've just completely ruled that out. Because every circumstance in your world is saying, that's a goner. I start praying different prayers. He probably quit praying for kids. I wonder why he brought his, his nephew with him. He probably already started thinking, well, who, who am I going to put on my wheel because I don't have any kids? Maybe I'm going to get my nephew with me and he might end up carrying on my name. God meets him and he says, Abraham, look around. Do you see all this land? Yeah. Let me give him to your kids, your kids' kids. God sees the end before the beginning. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is too difficult for God. He is the creator. He says, let there be, and it was according. He created the world out of nothingness, if that's even a word. There are some things in your life that you need to start speaking faith to. There are some dreams that have been buried a long time ago, and God's saying, you need to start speaking life to them. There's some dry bones in the closet that you need to be like the prophet Ezekiel that says, All dry bones thou shalt live. Why? Because the Lord says so. Can I get an amen? amen. And you look at his life, I look at his life, and Genesis chapter 12 sets him on the course in the Bible, and the whole Bible is dictated by the route of this man's life.
The rest of it is tied back to this guy. Chapter 11, about six, seven verses of the previous verse is the first time we see his name. Not a lot is told, it's just put in in the genealogy. You know, there's something I saw, I'm not going to go back there. You, can, you, you have your Bible, so you can go home and read it if you're interested, which I would encourage you to. In chapter 11, his father, not much is said, but his father was set out to go to the same place that God was sending Abraham to. He didn't say God had told him to go. He didn't tell us a lot, of, but he had set out. He had picked up all his family, and they are going to the same land of Canaan. But along the way, something happened, and it says that they settled at a different location. I thought the choice of words was really interesting. He didn't give us much of a background, but it shows that his intent was to go to Canaan. But as they, he was moving along his family to go to Canaan, they stopped. And he says that they settled there. They settled there. They just said, got to a point and said, you know what? This is good enough. This is good enough. Nothing brought more curiosity for me, even though the Bible doesn't say anything. I wonder if his father had been told by God the same thing. Abraham, let me read again. Verse 1, the Lord said to Abraham, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. Such a loaded statement because right in here is like, Lord, great, let me run and get my GPS and give me the exact address I'm going to plug it in. Show me exactly. Where, where do I turn exactly? That's what we are like. But God says, I want you to leave your comfort zone. I want you to leave the area where you feel some sense of security. I want you to leave what you already know. I'm going to lead you to a mysterious place. Verse 2 says, the, it declares the blessing. Verse 3, the blessing continues. Verse 4, listen to verse 4. So Abraham went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he set out for Haran. I'm not that good. But the one thing I want to point out, and, I, and I, as I studied the life of Abraham, which sets him apart really as a person that's really, really blessed. A person that continues, his blessing continues to this day. Is this simple thing we learn in Christianity, and it's called obedience. And obedience comes from a heart that is willing to trust God with everything, with your life. Do you trust God with your life? 
Do I trust God with my life? Do I trust that God is good enough that God's character never changes? That even if I don't understand it, God, I trust you with my life. And I have seen that that's, it's a phenomenon I've watched since I came to the Lord as a 16-year-old young kid. Is that you can see believers on two different tracks. They both love the Lord. They both committed to the Lord. And you see their path of life. And I've just been around just a little long enough. Not too long, because I'm still very young. But just long enough to see those paths. And you see a distinction sometimes where one seems to be set out in a path of blessing. I mean, everything they touch is blessed. Uh, they, they have peace in their home. They have uh, favor when, when they... And then you see some that just kind of live a life. It's not, there's nothing wrong with their relationship with God. They, it's not that they, they don't love God or anything. But they're not overflowing in abundance. They're not overflowing in that, um, the power and the grace and the favor that God promises all his people. And the one distinguishing factor I see is just being able to get to the point. You say, God, I trust you with my life. And you know, this guy would go, and I don't have a lot of time to, to expand on this. If you read the life of Abraham and you study his life, He'd have defining points in his life. He'd have decisions. Guess what else he had? He had failures. Sometimes he messed up in just little things like we all mess up in little things. He says, man, if I had a chance, I'll do it differently. How many have one of those or two or five of those things in your closet? Well, some have 22 or 60 or, you know, I'm not trying to add up here. Is that he was not exempt from those things, but yet he still did not <laughs> keeping from being blessed. His road would lead. You know where he goes next from here? The, he runs into some hard times. There is a famine in the land, the Bible says, and it looks like nothing's going to grow. And if we hang out here and we are not smart, we're going to die. So he moves his family, goes to a different place. He ends up in Egypt. And as he's going to Egypt, he looks at his wife and says, Hey, Sarai, I know you're really hot. That's why I married you. You're really beautiful. You are amazing. And I know that the Egyptians' men are not blind. So I got a plan. Let's do this. When we get there, let's just say you're my sister. Because if they know you're my wife, they might try to kill me so, and keep you there. And I don't want that to happen. Let's just lie. And it saved this, because that would save my life. And so they agreed with it. So, but well, the thing about that story, it tells me two things. In one, it shows me that Abraham was just as human as anybody else. And yet God did not say, and I'm not justifying that what he did is right. There were consequences for what he did. He did make a lot of problems for, for him and the people in the later. But, but it, did, it does show 
that God does not look at you and say, you're disqualified from my blessing. God does not look at the mistakes you made in your life and says, boy, you know, if, if you only had just lived a perfect life, if you only been a perfect Christian, if only you had not messed up that much, oh, look how far I could have taken you. But now, you know, I'm sorry. You have to settle here. This is as That is not our God. If I was the blesser, maybe. You hit me one time, well, yeah, two, yeah, three times, man, you messed up, right? But God says, as far as the east is from the west, so have I forgiven you all of your sins. Into the sea of forgetfulness, he says, he throws our sin. I will throw it into the sea of forgetfulness, never to be remembered anymore. Jesus has his disciples come, because this is a problem as human beings we will always deal with. Because why? Because we are still sinners, just saved by grace. And so you, just when you, you feel like I've aligned my life so well, you stumble. A new dimension and says, oh my goodness, I didn't realize how bad I was. We go through those roads of trials, tests, and temptations through life. And Satan is so good at taking advantage of those opportunities to keep us discouraged, to keep us condemned, to withhold us back. I've done this study for a while, and one of the biggest reasons believers don't witness to non-believers is that they don't feel confident. One, they have the knowledge. Two, they feel like my life isn't really, really that good, and so they're going to think I'm a hypocrite. So I'm not going to tell them about the Lord. Such a quiet church today. And that could be one or two things. A pastor could be just really boring, or two, you're really thinking about it. Are you really thinking about it? Just give me some feedback here. But it's a ploy of Satan to put the brakes on the work that God's doing now. Can I tell you that nothing you've ever done wrong or bad has ever surprised God? I says, oh my goodness, that Chris, I never thought he was like that. Jesus, he says, that we love him because he first loved us. But God, that God, Romans 5.8, demonstrated his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I can sum up, like I said earlier, the secret, or it's not a secret really, the the key to living a, dead, uh, a blessed life is that ability or that willingness, willingness, I should say, correct my word here, to trust God with our lives. 
uh, decisions, job decisions. I can think like Abraham had had different defining moments in my life that necessitated a decision that put solely, solely my trust on God. Uh, one, one, I'll give you a few defining moments in my life. At 20 years old, I'm working a job, doing well, and I, I knew that I was called to ministry. But I didn't take my job seriously at that point because I'm thinking this is just a temporary thing to pay the bills. But my real call is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with my whole life. And, and it was one of those deals where as a young person, it's like I, also, I almost like um, had the wrong attitude concerning even an opportunity to work. It's like I was looking at that job wrongly as it's beneath the call of God in my life. And guess what happened? I got fired. Not because I was doing too poorly. So my boss looked at me. His name is Alvin. Never forget that. He says, Solo, you're a good kid. And if you put your hand hard to anything, I mean, you will succeed. But I can tell that your heart is not here. You're not with me 100%. And I, and I, and I don't want anybody on this team that's not here 100%. It was an unbeliever that I've been trying to witness to for a long time. And I lost an opportunity to be a good witness for Christ to Alvin. Because what he said, when I looked at it, I couldn't argue with him. He was absolutely right. I'm going home that night. I thought, what a bad example for Jesus Christ I was to this man. Because he really didn't care much about my spiritual life. He was a worldly man. But the, the, the only witness for Christ that he would have seen for me is my work ethic, because he cared about numbers. And I could have used that to show him that I don't work alone. There is a God who blesses the work of my hands, and that's why. You see where I'm going? And God used that young mistake that I made to shape who I was and how I looked at work. And so from there on out, it changed my perspective. I mean, everything I ever did after that, I put out my whole heart into it and still serve the Lord. The other lie that I had believed is that by working a secular job, that it somehow diminished my pedigree as a minister. And so that one got erased too. And so from there on out, I actually served 100% and worked 100%. I didn't serve 50% in the body and worked 50%. I didn't do 50-50. I did 100% in my job and I did 100% for the kingdom of God. And that same thing, you might not be called to be a minister as a pastor or in that office, but we are all ministers. Every believer is called 100% to ministry and 100% to whatever vocation God has put you in. Because Ministry is everywhere we go. You know, it helps shape my understanding. And there are times where I had opportunities to even just go full-time and, and serve full-time. But the Lord said, no, 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 I want you there. When I became a lead pastor, I had my business going on for seven years. Put in my sweater and tears into it, built it up, started going up. And God says, I want you to 
to come and serve me. I says, okay, do I close the books? Do I close everything? He said, no, no, no. I didn't say that that. And the Lord's continued to use me in both. And I, I'd say, I don't work part-time as a person part-time. No, I work full-time at everything. Because everywhere I go, I'm a minister of God. Everywhere you go, you're a minister of God. Because God will use your job, God will use your influence where you are, if you would let him, to be a witness for Christ in your work. Now, I'm waiting for a lot of amens right now. Because some of you didn't think that where you are is a calling of God. But it is a calling of God where you are. You start looking at it as a calling of God. God, you have called me here for this season, for this time. I don't know for how long. But as long as I'm here, God, I'm going to be the light that shines in the darkness. And the darkness will not comprehend it. Because I'm going to be a good witness for you. The last time I ever worked for a person and I worked for an institution, my last week at the job, I sat down, and my boss, who had been my boss, called me. He says, can I pay you a visit? Can I show up at your office? She came to my office, and we sat down and says, you know, I know you're leaving us. You're going to start your own thing. We know you're going to be successful, and uh, we know, you know, but if for whatever reason things don't work out, we'll create a place for you. But i got to ask you one question. i got to ask you one question. He says, we have known... All along for these seven years that you've been with us, that you're going to leave us. We just wondered when. But I've got to ask you, why do you give so much? Why do you give all? Why do you go over and above when you know that this is only temporary for you? So that was... A piece of the puzzle that she could not connect. She knew I would leave, but she, I wasn't just doing barely enough. I was the best of the best of what I did. Put my drawer, got my Bible, I showed her a verse. For everything that you do, do it with all your heart, not as unto men, but as unto the Lord. For it is the Lord Jesus Christ that we serve. I said, Read it. This is why. I change tires. That's what I do for a living. I remove it and put it on. For everything that you do, do it with all your heart, not as unto men, but as unto the Lord. Oh, but I share a cubicle with a guy that cusses about every syllable. For everything that you do, you're getting the thing here, maybe. Maybe you're slow to catch on. Do it with all your heart, not as unto men, but as unto the Lord. But my job is so boring. I, the moment I have enough stacked up in the bank, I'm quitting. For everything you do, help me out, church, here. Yeah? Do it with all your heart, not as unto men, and as unto the Lord. That is trusting God with your life. That is making a predetermined decision. That I'm going to serve God with my life. Whether I get the human accolades and recognition, whether... Because my validation about the job I'm doing does not come. From someone patting my back and says, man, you are really good. Now that might happen. 
But how many know that sometimes it does not? You can give it all and nobody, not a single soul ever acknowledges the sacrifices that you're making. But if your boss is up there, if that's who you report to, it doesn't matter. Because your heart is conditioned to that one statement that he says, well done, the good and faithful servant is what I'm working for, is what I'm living for, is what I give my whole life to, to hear those words of Jesus. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the kingdom. Make that be the driving force of your life and it will change your attitude and you will be finding yourself enjoying things that should not be enjoyed. Having peace in the middle of turmoil. Smiling when you should be sobbing. And just chilling when your head should be spinning. Because you know that your God is a good God. Abraham, get out of here. Get out of your comfort zone. And just go where I will show you. I never saw this. And one day maybe I'll expound on this before. On how his father was set out to do that. And he settled. Have you settled at some places because where you're supposed to be, you're not where you are, but where you know you're supposed to be, you just thought, oh, I'm not, I'm not set out for that. It's too late for me. It's too late for my game. Oh, no, I can never really write that book. I can never really do that. I can never really launch out on my own. You've just like, have you settled? If you're settled, God will find another person to carry on the blessing that he already intends for you. I want to be that person that fulfills what God has called me to do. Amen? Did you receive something? Even a little something? Amen. All right.